speaking of what God has called us to do, tonight we consider evangelism and missions. I told you last week, um, now that we have gone through the first 10 articles of the Baptist faith and message, that the rest of the articles would be about specific things and applications of the theology. We've kind of taken a, a broad uh, swath of theology as a whole. Now we're going to look in at the particular details. And tonight we deal with what is not only um, a important objective of the church, it is the singular objective of the church. And that is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how the Baptist Faith and Message puts this particular article. It is the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. Talk about swinging right from the start. The new birth of man's spirit by God's Holy Spirit means the birth of love for others. Missionary effort on the part of all rests thus on upon a spiritual necessity of the regenerate life and is expressly and repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the loss to Christ by verbal witness, undergirded by a Christian lifestyle, and by other means in harmony with the gospel of Christ. I tell you what, that'll preach. Yeah. If there, you know, some of these articles that you you read through them and you think, okay, they're laying it out. They're laying here. Uh, there's a there's passion and there's emotion. You can hear you can hear that 15 member committee saying, oh, we absolutely are going to make it clear. What is our primary objective? We have this double thing because often we think of evangelism as something that the professionals do and missions as something that the professionals do, but that's not really related to me personally. In other words, I pay the missionary uh, away so they can go and, and go to some strange land that I cannot go to, to among the people whose language I do not speak, and they're going to share Jesus with them, often with people that have never heard of Christ before. We think of evangelism as something that one old guy in the church does by leaving tracks everywhere he goes and browbeating people over the head with his big, thick King James uh, uh, Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Because he's a real Bible thumper, not not like me. I use the ESV, so I'm I'm not quite there. In all seriousness, we think of these things as something that is a particular calling for a select few, almost like the Marine Corps of Christianity. These are the real serious ones. They're 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 not they're not like us common folk. But let me make something very clear: if Jesus wanted a select few to do this, you know what he'd have done? He'd have said, "All right." Peter, you're the loud mouth. You go evangelize. The rest of you, y'all don't worry about it. If Jesus wanted it done that way, he'd have said, all right, I'm going to have my select few that I am going to put through rigorous training and go through all sorts of, of, of specific, pointed development to make them good at this. But nobody else, y'all don't have to worry about it. I mean, you know, if you get the chance and it comes kind of easy, go ahead. But, and no, I'm not going to stop you, but, you know, don't, don't worry. You don't have to worry about this. No, 
no discipleship. And that's what really what this is. Evangelism, missions, it's, it's discipleship. It's the first part of discipleship, right? I mean, they've got to believe in Christ before they can really follow him with their lives, right? Okay? So what we're talking about here is the beginning of a discipleship life. Not just, not just someone signs a card, uh, um, walks an aisle, gets wet, and then there's nothing really else to it. It's not entering a sweepstakes. This is something you've got to do every day of your life. This Christian life, this discipleship, well, to be honest with you, it's our mission. Discipleship is our mission. It's not just, it's not just something we do on the, on the off chance that, um, maybe, maybe, uh, somehow we'll kind of do it as, 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 you know, just in process. It'll happen. Discipleship isn't something that we leave to the experts because, well, it's kind of, kind of tough for the rest of us. No, discipleship is our mission. I said they came out swinging. Listen to that first sentence again. It is the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. So it is the duty and privilege. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many duties do you count as privilege? Doesn't often happen that way, does it? Duty is usually something that you got to work hard for. Duty is something that requires blood, sweat, and tears. Duty is a difficult task, task that you have to do. Duty is not something that comes naturally, that comes easily, that comes without effort. The privilege, on the other hand, that's what you can't wait to do. A job is duty. Fishing is privilege, right? Okay, maybe you're not a fisherman. I'm not a fisherman. By the way, my wife is. She loves it, but I'm not. Maybe for you it's something a little different, but you get the idea. There's some things you have to do and some things you get to do. Discipleship is both. You have to do it because it's commanded of you. Jesus makes no bones about this. You have to be a disciple and make disciples. Congratulations. That's what you signed up for. God said, follow me. You follow him, that, guess what? Guess what following me means? You're now a disciple. Jesus never says, follow me, and when someone starts following him, doesn't require anything else of him. Every single individual that answers the call affirmatively to follow Christ is then expected to do something else. To follow him. To live the way that he lived. To do the things that he does. Even Judas... Even Judas had to actually follow. Now, you know what that tells me? If discipleship is a duty, oh man, but it's also a privilege. It's not just something you have to do because it's commanded of you. It's something you get to do. Uh, a little bit later in, in, in the Baptist Faith and Message, they say it this way, the Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. I'm reminded of one preacher. I can't remember who it is. But he talks about preaching the gospel. And you know what he's called it? He called it a magnificent tyranny. Magnificent because it was a joy to preach. A tyranny because he had to preach what God said. How much more true is it of us as individuals, as, as common folk, if you will, whatever, as laity? How much more true is it that if we're going to be disciples... 
We have to come under the magnificent tyranny of the gospel. But it's a privilege. It's not just tyranny, it's magnificent. It's not just duty, it's privilege. It is our privilege to serve our Lord by being disciples who make disciples. You can almost almost get the sense that they wanted to put this first. I know, I know of a few folks have followed their ministries and, and their lives, and um, I know one personally that was on this committee, and several others that weren't that I that I followed, um, that I've read about, that I've listened to, that I've uh, gotten to at least glean from. It really is a duty and a privilege, and we have to take both of those together. I spend a lot of time on this because if discipleship is going to be our mission, we have to buy into the mission. This isn't a, this isn't, it's not just something that you can get away with doing just because you have to and not put any extra effort into it, then, then you really have to. It's not preparing a report that is long and boring and you really shouldn't have to do anyway because it's all redundant. You know, the Department of Redundancy Department requires it. So, here you go. It's not the TPS reports. Uh, it's not those kinds of things that you do just because somebody in corporate said you had to do it. You won't do the mission if that's the way you approach evangelism. If that's the way you approach missions, you won't do it. It's too easy not to. You don't drift into evangelism. I know I don't. I drift away from it. So if this is our mission, we've got to keep in mind both the duty and the privilege. Jesus makes it pretty clear. Matthew 28, it's our duty. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'll, I'll stick with the, that translation. You know my translation. Therefore, go make disciples. I kind of look at it like if you tell your kid, clean your room, they might, they might clean the room. If you say, go clean your room, they're going to run to their room. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to dilly-dally. If they do, then, then you put the therefore in it. Um, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. By the way, there's, that's how to perform the mission. Baptize them, teach them. What do you teach them? Teach them everything. Teach them everything. Everything I've commanded you. You teach them the same stuff because they need it all too. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Our mission, discipleship. I think of Jeremiah talking about how he, he wishes... He could just not do this. He wishes he could just say, well, well, you know what? I just won't talk. That's what I'll do. I just won't talk. If I say, Jeremiah says, in Jeremiah 29, this isn't in there. um, If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. It's a duty and a privilege. I'm convinced the more we fall in love with God, the more willing we will be to find the privilege in that duty. Something else, not only do we have a mission of discipleship, but we got something helping us do it. And, and really something that helps us find the privilege in all this. You see, uh, discipleship is our mission. Love is our motivation. We, we got to have something driving us. And it's love. It's love for God. That translates into love for others. Look at the very next sentence of this. The new birth of man's spirit by God's Holy Spirit means the birth of love 
for others. Now, why would you put love right after we are commanded to make disciples? Let me tell you why. Because if you don't love, you won't go. It's very simple. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to love someone you haven't met, but you better have a love for God and you better be willing to love whomever he sends you to, even if it's someone that might kill you. I think of five guys who went to the Ecuadorian rainforest. Jim Elliott. He is no fool to gain, to give up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Nate Saint was one. There were three others, um, and their names are escaping me right now. Missions guy. You're the RA. You're the missions guy. Do you know any of the names? I'm putting you on the spot here. Sorry. Yeah. I know... They went to and, and, and spent months and months and months trying to talk to the Alka Indians. Months and months of, of flying overhead and they would drop presents down. They would make some kind of contact, um, slowly but surely getting in there. And finally they arranged a meeting. Finally, finally they responded. Finally they were able to touch down and spend some time with some Alka Indians only to end up with spears in their backs. Are we willing to love like that? What if it's the guy that that's always fussing at you for something, even when it's not really your fault? What if it's the person that you gave birth to who's rebelling against you? What, what if it's someone like, are, are you willing to love them? Love has to be our motivation. Otherwise, we won't go. We won't proclaim the gospel if we don't love God and if we don't love others. And if we love God, we better love others too because those two go hand in hand. Uh, listen, listen to what John says. Skip 1 Peter 2.9. Go straight to John 3.14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. That's the evidence of a changed heart. Whoever does not love abides in death. And then if that wasn't enough, look in chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. The relationship we have with God teaches us love. We love because he first loved us, First John also says. And so now that we have seen love, we are able to love other people because we have experienced the love of God in our own lives. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And it's that exact story, that gospel, that we are to take to a world that so desperately needs it. Beloved, that God loved us. God so loved us. And God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. Even, even our preaching of the gospel itself, the, 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 the act of proclaiming it must be out of love. Ephesians 4, rather speaking the truth in love. We don't get to speak the truth in spite. We don't get to speak the truth in hate. We must speak it in love. And the other part is part of discipleship too. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, this is Jesus talking, you will keep my commandment. It's that simple. So we've got discipleship as a mission and we've got love as a motivation. We need a little bit of power. Well, God's got that covered too. Because regeneration is our muscle. I had to find an M word. 
So there's my M word for the power, muscle. Regeneration is the muscle. Regeneration is what empowers us for the task at hand. We got something to drive us. We got something to motivate us. We have a clear and distinct mission from God. We got to have some kind of way to actually accomplish it. And the regeneration life that God provides through saving us from our sins is what empowers us to live that new life before him and before a world that needs him. Regeneration is our muscle. Missionary effort, says the Baptist faith and message, on the part of all rests thus upon a spiritual necessity of the regenerate life. We've got to be new creations. We can't do this in the old life. John 15, 16. Jesus again talking. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, in that day, students chose their rabbi. And the rabbi had the final choice of yes or no. I'll, I'll allow you to be my student or no, I won't. But you can imagine, it's like college. You're going to find this out when you get to college. There is a professor that everybody's going to tell you, do not take. Don't take this professor. They are terrible. They're horrible. The only people in that class are the ones that aren't in the group that knows who to take. Okay? They're the, only, they, they're the ones that are just looking at it. I've got to have this class. Uh, that's the only time it fits in so they get the bad professor. But there's going to be there's going to be professors that you don't want to take whatsoever. OK, just just go ahead and prepare yourself for that. There's teachers already now in, in high school. They're like that. And I'm sure you've seen some that you're just like, why did I have to have this teacher? And then there's teachers that everybody wants to take. And so you hope you hope that you can get in fast enough to get that teacher, because once the class closes, you, you, you're stuck with the other one. Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you. Why? That you should go and bear fruit. You don't think God chose us just because of how handsome and gorgeous we are, do you? You don't think God chose us just because of how smart we are. Lord, if he had chosen me for that, he'd have been sorely disappointed. I look a lot smarter than I am. That's my wife, she'll tell you. He chose us to go bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide lasting fruit, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We need that regeneration because that's the power to go bear fruit. It's funny. I've heard of a few cases here and there where somebody uh, that doesn't know God preaches and somebody else gets saved. He can do that. I know one that I, I told y'all a few weeks ago about one that got saved during his own preaching. Good old, good old Elias Keats. But that's rare. And that's well, that's clearly the act of God. Isn't it so much easier, though, for him to use you when you're a new creation yourself? All right, so we've got discipleship as our mission. We know what we need to do. We've got love as our motivation. We've got the right thing driving us to do it. We've got our, our muscle of regeneration that's giving us the power to do it. But how do we actually do it? Simple. Obey. Obedience is our method. Missionary effort on the part of all, we just read the first part of the sentence, rests upon a spiritual necessity of the regenerate life, keep reading, and is expressly and repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. If you weren't quite sure, Matthew 9, 37 and 38, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Oh, there's plenty of folks that would respond. There's plenty to harvest if there was just someone to go get it. Romans 10. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We usually talk about that evangelizing, right? We usually talk about that when we want someone to come to faith. But read the next verse. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, they're not going to. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? Well, certainly not. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, does that mean they got to be here? Me standing behind this pulpit in order for them to get the gospel? I hope not. I hope they're hearing it out there where they are. 2 Timothy 4. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul writing to a young pastor. He could have written it to any Christian. Though. We obey We obey through our words. Uh, Baptist faith, the message continues. The Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. Now, now keep in mind, Preaching as a New Testament term does not mean a pastor standing behind a pulpit on Sunday morning. Preaching in the New Testament is the word caruso. It means public proclamation. Think of it like, well, think of it like someone just telling someone else on purpose because that's what it is. Now, yes, it could be an address. It could be before a, a, an audience of 5,000 people or five people. It could be one-on-one -on -one in a coffee shop sitting at a table. It doesn't matter. You tell someone else on purpose. That's the idea. 1 Corinthians 9. For if I preach the gospel, interesting thing Paul says here, that gives me no ground for boasting. I don't get to boast just because I'm the preacher man. For necessity is laid upon me. Remember Jeremiah's words? It's a fire in his bones. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. I hope you feel that same necessity too. But it's not just words. Because you know people that talk and don't act. You, you've seen those folks, right? You know what they're like. No, we got to talk and act. we got to do it in both words and deeds. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the loss to Christ by verbal witness, undergirded by Christian lifestyle, and by other methods in harmony with the gospel of Christ. Can we, can we do it through music? Absolutely. Can we do it through dramatic performance? Absolutely. Can we do it through art? Absolutely. Can we do it through baking casseroles? Absolutely. But not just those things. We preach and we live the gospel. Uh, just me being in, in studying preaching, um, you kind of get a glimpse into the, the world of the preacher for, from me and one, one of those things that I kind of wish was more common, that we talked about more generally, is the idea of incarnating the Word. And we believe Jesus Christ is the Word of God incarnate, right? He is God incarnate. He's God in human flesh, okay? But one of the things that he does is he lives out the Word. And so ought we, pastors, deacons, church members, we should be living out the Word too. It takes both. Because if you talk and you don't walk, everybody else will walk. If you walk and not talk, nobody will know why you're walking. But if you walk and talk, if you live the life and you proclaim the gospel, that's fulfilling the mission. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. 
talking the talk, ready on a moment's notice, but also walking the walk, doing it in a way that doesn't make it harder for them to receive the gospel. Now, does that mean we have to be wusses? No. Does that mean that we get to be as jerkish as we want to be? No. Does that mean that we have to follow every single possible rule of etiquette in this world? No. But it does mean this. If they look at your life and they listen to your words and the two don't match up, they're going to have a hard time believing it. So the very least we can do is live the word before them and tell them the word that we're living by. If we'll do that, God will be faithful. So you talk about needing to do what we need to do as a church. You're absolutely right, Then This is what we need to do. Discipleship is our mission. Love is our motivation. Regeneration is our muscle. Obedience is our method. And it's all for his glory. Sorry, I couldn't come up with an end for the glory part. Magnificence. There we go. <laughs> Pray with me. Father, help us to do what you've called us to do. We know you've called it. We, we know that you have, from, from your own mouth, told us what our job is. Help us not get bogged down in everything else. Help us not make excuses. Help us not wallow around in pity as though we are something that matters more than your word. Father, help us live and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to every single individual that we can. And Lord, give us more folks to preach to, to walk with, to show your love. Father, I don't often pray this prayer, but bring more people here. This mission is too great. Send some laborers, because the harvest is ripe. Father, we love you. Help us show our love for you by showing others your love for them. And in all these things, make your name more well-known and exalted in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.